I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If I walked into Tesco and I saw Wilfred Zaha, 30-year-old Wilfred Zaha, on his back, kicking and screaming with his ma trying to bribe him with a Milky Way to shut him up. I wouldn't be surprised. I'd just shuffle past like I do with every other spoiled brat. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look So I left while you were sleeping That's all it took And that The worst thing about this latest episode of Aston Villa Doom was when we got in at halftime, unable to believe or look that we were still in this game. Somehow, some way, nobody knows how, nobody knows why, Gerard definitely doesn't know. It was 1-1. We all breathed a massive sigh of relief. I thought, Jesus, that's all three games at the start of the season Villa have conceded and completely collapsed. You know, second minute against Bournemouth, never recovered. Uh, late on against Everton crawled over the line jesus like talk about just limping over there late like and then it comes into this game against palace and we have to scamper into the changing rooms after they totally dominate from from the moment they equalized and you know what i realized then they equalized in the fucking seventh minute (laughs) 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 and we were just being battered from pillar to post for 40 odd minutes and i've just become that accustomed to it now i didn't realize that there goes another whole half of football that aston villa haven't even come to play they look they look good for that move and then as soon as they conceded bang that was it over just hanging on can't believe it was only one one at that stage i think we all knew what was coming and like once again we're talking about the inevitability and the only know what the saddest thing about all of this is is that you know, the build up to these games, I, I keep you know a little notepad and I write down, you know, I usually just write down Palace away, Everton at home, you know, if people send funny tweets or good points or whatever, I, I start writing down notes along the way. This one I wrote at the top of it, Birthday Villa Podcast. <laughs> Happy fucking birthday to me. I mean, oh my God. Yeah, happy birthday, pal. Stephen Gerrard's like that fucking shite auntie that hands a 15-year-old a 
home knitted cardigan that's three sizes too big and you could fit your leg into one of the sleeves <laughs> and it has a shit rendering of Tweety Bird on it and then forces you to wear it. Do you still like the Looney Tunes, pet? And because you're not a psychopath, you'll say yes and thank you. But in reality, with Gerard, we're just unwrapping empty boxes. No, we're unwrapping those fucking Matryoshka dolls like of, of football and ideas, just getting smaller and smaller until there's no detail anymore. Do you still like football, pet? No! Fuck off! I fucking hate it! It was a fucking shambolic performance. Can you imagine being so overrun, so out-muscled? Palace are better on the ball, cleverer on the ball. It was like a team of Patrick Vieira's playing against an under-14. I was going to say chess team there, but that would give the Villa players far too much credit for their lateral thinking abilities. (laughs) Yeah, Gerard's that auntie who watches you open those boxes, watches them getting smaller, eventually sees there's nothing in it, and then turns around to everybody else and says, that's on me. Like how's how's that rescued the birthday party? Like yes, you've admitted that you haven't brought a present, and you've admitted that it's your fault. But now the child is still without a present. <laughs> yeah, like I said, and I definitely, I definitely wasn't thinking properly about Palace's squad in preseason. When you look at it, it is a strong squad. I think I put them just below Villa, Newcastle, West Ham, and Leicester. That's definitely not the case. They have they have a good squad of players, interchangeable players, and even hungry players. But the most important thing is that Vieira has a plan. He's he's thought about the way he wants to play and he's recruited for that and he's adapted the players that were there for that as well. Like Gerrard's come in and said, our left back shit. Coutinho was really good when I played with him five years ago. <laughs> Douglas Louise is a number eight, so we need a number six. But how are you going to play has to be the first question. What sort of left back do you need for that? Do, do you need and want the number 10? For whatever system you're planning on, and how does that impact the type of midfielder you need? Jerry's talked about how he Jerry's only talked about how he wanted Villa to play once. Like he said, he wanted to tighten the spaces between the players. Let's leave aside the fact that we look like we were trying to corner a fucking blue bottle on O'Connell Street today. That's the only time our manager, our football manager, has talked about football. The rest of the time is just him saying that's on him. Like, what does he think is on him? How can he know that it's on him if he doesn't know what his fucking job is? Yeah, yeah, that's all fair. And we're going to rattle through way more of, I don't know, tactical worries or just just a lack of, of tactical implementations and just the same stuff. We'll try not to repeat ourselves here. But we're getting... <laughs> it's getting difficult. It did get to that stage in fairness under Dean Smith as well, where we were starting to say the same things. Then we got a new manager and it was like, look, we can talk about new things and already... Here we are, we haven't even made it a year into it and we're talking about the same things. But an event-filled game started off so well. And like, you know, how often do we say, just just let Mings hit the ball long? <laughs> <laughs> and how often do we say, just get the ball to Bailey, whatever way you can, get, get him the ball. And, you know, like, a lovely header, good ball from Mings, like a bit of intent on it. Like Bailey drops off. He flicks it around the corner and then Watkins, like the ball's bouncing, so it's actually not as easy as he made it look. He had to have real composure and skill there just to, to finish that off the way he did. He sort of opened the shoulder and, like, I just love that near post one then when he he's give the keeper the eyes and he, he drags it into the near post. Like, that, great goal. Let's talk about that in isolation before we go through the rest. <laughs> yeah, like you've always said, if Mings has got it, let him hit it long. And, like, I've always said, if you have Leon Bailey up top, then get it fucking up to him. 
I actually think that header is the best thing he's done in a Villa shirt, and I'm not trying to be pejorative there. It was a, it was a brilliant fucking header, yeah. and there's just something special about a header through ball as well. And yeah, you're right. It was it was gorgeous finish from 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 Ollie Watkins as well. It's a lovely goal, but it was just completely in isolation to how we were playing. It was a long ball up through the middle, bit of magic, bit of composure. That's it. Yeah, and that really was it then. Like we, we had a few chances and we'll get into those in the Rosenthal Award when we get into the awards category in part three, but then it was just palace, just just punishment, dole in and out, like every which way. Um their equalizer starts with Buendia going down in the box. I oh, looked like a it looked like he was he was stretching it there looking for looking for something. I don't think initially I was like we've conceded it while he's down diving. I actually think he was. There was enough in it to make him fall over anyway. Whether it was a foul, I don't know. Um, just a ball, long ball played down, and I think it's big Edward. He gets a toe on it that puts it in between Kanza and Cash. Kanza has the pace, so he does really well to keep up with Zaha. But then I think he thinks that's his work done because he has kept up with him and he, he's just stayed off him far, like giving him too much space. And, um, you know, he, he did way better. If you look at that one that went over the top, I'm going to talk about the balls going over the top as well later on, but there was one that went over the top for Edward and Kanza has the pace in the second half. This time he just arches him out of the way and gets in between him. He lets it go out for a goal kick. He doesn't let him get the ball. He doesn't stand off him. And Zaha finds the far corner. <sighs> I don't, I don't want to really ask the question because he was brilliant today, even though we can see the three goals. But is Martinez a bit too static to react to it? I don't know. It's a good finish. Yeah, it is a good finish. Go back to the start. Rick Buendia's having a little whinge and then it's a shit switch of play from the Palace defender followed by an absolutely atrocious touch. Edward's trying to bring that down <laughs> and it's a shy touch. But that's all it fucking takes, apparently, to get through Aston Villa. A yeah. shit clearance followed by a shit touch and all of a sudden, Zaha's one-on-one. <laughs> But before that, what is Matty Cash doing? Like, I ask, I actually wish he was retrospectively booked, which he should have been for, for that. And I'm being very fucking kind here. The pull on Zaha. Like, mm. this was Matt Target against Watford stuff. Yeah. Like, what the, in the name of God was he at? Get on his back and spank his fucking arse. Ride him out of the stadium. Don't just half-heartedly put your hands in. Like, he's going to give him a fucking shoulder massage. Usher yeah. him through. Like, be calm here as you get one-on-one with Konza. <laughs> And Konza asks him to have a shot. How's your left? And the ball's already in the bottom corner before Konza sorts his feet out to block it. I mean, like, Saha's striking foot is already on the ground. But yeah. it spins, we can peel away by the time Konza puts in line with it. And Z- Zaha's good enough that you should be afraid of him in the box. But you have to make him beat you. Like, you have to make him show you how good he is. Yeah. You don't show him the bottom fucking corner. And you're absolutely right. Martinez also doesn't drop. He jumps towards the ball, which is fucking mad because the ball's on the fucking ground. Yeah, that was that, that was the one black mark in Martinez's game. But like that, that was the equalizer, and we know that's the end of it for Villa. Like the ball, <laughs> the ball, the ball's in the net. Game over. The second, the second goal, which was eventually rolled out for offside, I think was probably the worst of them all. And you know, through no imagination or, or good play of Villas that it was ruled out it was just pure luck um, and Tyrone Mings doing his best to keep everybody onside again <laughs> but this time it was just uh, Edward was just about offside so it's a free kick over on the left and everyone's freaking out about Gwehi at the back post that was the one where Luca Dean pulls him down just, and they had to retake it and then it just gets chipped into Edward at the front post and then Ramsey follows him he's a bit late but he still gets there Cash is just standing off watching Ramsey saying oh I hope you, hope you can get in there 
Like it was actually what Cash did in this one was even worse than what he did with the Zaha. What he, like what's he doing? What like what? How does he think he can help defend this situation now by standing doing nothing? Like get out and help your pal. Like there's nobody behind you, and there is somebody behind John McGinn who's completely daydreaming. Like like he looks so dozy in this. A schlup just strolls by him, and McGinn has that look on his face as he realizes schlup's about to put the ball in the bottom corner. Rolled across from Edward, schlup puts it away, and. Like, luckily, he got ruled out, but it didn't really matter. They were going to come again. <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant free kick, and they did switch it up. They, they confused us massively just by one time threatening to put it towards the back post. That's all they had to do. And it's a lovely free kick. It's perfectly weighted. It's brilliant from Edward. It's a great touch. He has the composure, albeit he's not exactly put under pressure by Matty Cash, like you say. And it's an incredible first touch from Sloop and then the finish is great as well and it's absolutely fucking dreadful from John McGinn I mean the best thing you can say about that is that he's obviously a confident man because he had the gall and the fucking balls to be roaring out instructions before the free kick was taken telling people where to go (laughs) I can tell him where to fucking go as well he touches Sloop to see where he is when there's no danger like when Edward has his back to goal John McGinn knows exactly where Sloop is like he might as well have checked where Slope was during the lineup and then never checked for him again. Because immediately after that, Slope just walks around the back of him to pick up the ball and score a brilliant goal that goes to the heart of the Malays in this Villa team that Jared has hasn't arrested at all and has been there since March 2021. Like, why is McGinn watching this game of football unfold in front of him? You're playing in it, and don't worry, it's being recorded. You can afford a fucking Sky package. I'm sure fucking Austin McPhee's got a few cameras knocking around. He'll give it to you after the game. Just ask for it afterwards and watch it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about McGinn and the Vimin meter, actually, so we'll, we'll come back to him. The, the, the actual second goal, the legitimate one, to put them 2-1 ahead. Now, it's important to remember if there are any Palace fans here, and I haven't really seen any Villa. Like n- Nobody from an Aston Villa point of view actually thinks... They were hard done by in this game. Nobody thinks they <laughs> didn't get what they deserved. And I, I'd like to say, if it wasn't the offside goal, if it wasn't this penalty, it was coming and all the way. Like the goal was coming. They could have scored five or six very easily. And the second one, though, I, I do think was maybe a bit harsh. Like, look at Dean had a, had a bit of a nightmare until maybe the last 10 minutes. And his, like, but this header has come off his arm, right? But he's jumping. So his arm's up because he's jumping. It's very close, and it's not like he's turned frontal to the ball. He's actually the ball was is going through his body because he's he's side on with the ball, and it hasn't really affected the shot. The shot gets through, and Martinez has to make the save, and the penalty's given. VR comes along and, and gives the penalty. We can talk about that decision in a second. I also just want to talk about Wilfred Zaha trying like talking about having the goal. Imagine, imagine thinking you can act like a big man after you've just missed a shot from 12 yards out when you only had the keeper to beat he's missed a, he's missed a penalty it's an all good save from Martin is he gets to put it away from two yards out just because of the lapse of the god or in his favor in this moment and he thinks that he can actually stop and give it to emmy like what are you doing yeah like yeah what the sucks what the fuck sort of authority does that have I think he has to stand over martinez after that like martinez has just pulled off a brilliant save and what Zaha has done was, in 10 yards of space, has just missed a one-on-one from 12 <laughs> yards with a static ball. He's missed a penalty, if you will. But <laughs> j- just so everyone is clear about how easy a penalty is, like you, ha- you have that mental picture in your head. Imagine that was in open play. He'd be absolutely destroyed for missing yeah. that. 
Like, what is he celebrating there? That he hit the back of the net from three yards out when half of the goals were being defended by blades of grass and a lick of paint from the line markings? Congratulations. And the handball rule is fucking silly. Let's be honest about that. The only thing more stupid is the fact that Dina doesn't know the rule. And I know you're saying he's jumping, but footballers are now being taught how to jump about throwing their arms out that wide. His hand's slightly above his shoulder, and the rule was pretty clear after that. I think the fact that he's so close, you're right. Maybe he should could have gone against that. The handball actually makes it a more difficult save for Martinez because it deflects it in towards the front post. Otherwise, it's going towards Martinez. So I think the idea that the shot's on target and Dina's hand does something against that is also bonkers. It's a shit roll. Dina's an idiot for not jumping with his hands down. Yeah. You're such a rule book merchant. Uh, <laughs> third and final goal, thankfully. I think we all would have taken 3 1 at that stage. Um, <laughs> You're ju- I would have taken it at one all, Conor. <laughs> but here we are, like John McGinn. We can talk about him again. He finally decides to move on the ball this time. Uh, like I don't know where he's picked this up. Like he's making football so much harder for himself. Like people will look at that and think, "Geez, McGinn forces things too often." It's because he doesn't move. It's because he doesn't force things enough when he has the ball at his feet. And then as he's standing static, he's making it harder and harder and harder for himself as people close him in. Like he's, he runs out of options and he has to he has to force that pass. Sometimes it, it works out, but this time he decides to start moving, but he's moving laterally. He runs right towards the, the left sideline, somebody right up his arse, and he tries to come back again. And he's like, what's the point of that? Everybody's just watching him. And and then the shit ball gets played to Kamara. Now, Kamara still should be sharper, but he's got a player up his arse and the player comes through him. Kamara loses it, and it's it, eventually Palace recoup possession. Maybe I'm going too far back here, but I just have that memory of McGinn and Kamara in my head. But over on the left-hand side, then Zaha is it's a one-two, and then it's with a fullback. Who's the fullback? Mitchell. Mitchell, uh, lovely, lovely one-two, amazing cross, and then Mateta scores. Like I think if that was a Villa goal, we'd be like, oh, that's amazing. But just the way we give away possession again, you go back and think, oh, what's Jesus, what are we doing? Yeah, and, and like you know, everything has to be caveated here. Palace are a good team; they're so, they're so well set up, but they're also the players are as good as Villa, so it doesn't have to be that strongly caveated. They're really well set up, and they're difficult to get through. I mean, you combine that with the fucking living dead in the Villa squad; there's only going to be one outcome. Like we're not getting into any fucking shopping centres. One trolley <laughs> against the door will hold us back. And what? And it's absolutely classic Villa. It's a bit of pointless passing, McGinn doing absolutely fucking nothing on the ball. One ball turned around the corner, played forward, and we lose it because Palace are more aggressive. They're running harder. They're running smarter. And to be fair to Kamara, he's never seen this before in a Villa jersey. He couldn't possibly have been expecting a pass forward and defeat. So you can see why he's caught in his heels a little bit. And Palace don't even shift it particularly quickly after that. Like, as he slows it down, a bit pointlessly, I would say, for someone who had a brilliant game, but then a 1-2, and we're just completely opened up. Yeah. And you're right, it's an amazing cross, and Mateta can't really miss. Like, I'm, I'm also not really sure why Mings is going after that with his left foot. I mean, talk about being one-footed. What's he yeah. diving after that with his inside foot? Crazy. Yeah, well, let's go to WhatsApp wins because I've got a lot of them, believe it or not. See you there. So a few finds to run through before we get into WhatsApp winches. Um, Matt Cash is getting one. Uh, you know, fullback, I think we've actually highlighted this before last season as well, and it was a, a week's wages for it. A fullback coming through the back of a player when they only have the sideline to look at. 
Uh, as Wilfred Zaha, he's got nowhere to go, and Mad Cash comes over and bundles him over anyway. Like, do you understand how, how much, whenever about that being pointless and you know, doesn't impact the play and it gives them territory, do you understand how annoying that is to watch? Because like, as soon as that happens, we, we all know we've got another 65 seconds of nothing happening. It's just, it's just like, the foul happens, didn't need to happen, and now everybody has to go forward from their everybody has to go back from our team. Like, what a waste of my time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what what else? What else was Matty Cash gonna do in that game though? Because he wasn't gonna get any fucking closer to Zaha than that. That was his only option, really. Like Zaha <laughs> absolutely rinsed him today, and I think the last time out, Cash actually got the better of Zaha. And yeah. that was the one time where we got the classic fucking Zaha lying on the ground, looking at the ref in absolute disbelief at what's going on. I mean. If, if Zaha won the lottery as part of a syndicate, he'd moan about having to share the prize money. Like you know, if he, <laughs> if, if he won the first week after a few rollovers, he'd be annoyed he hadn't won it a week earlier, and not just because of his affinity with rolling over. Like Zaha turns, <laughs> Zaha, Zaha turns thirty this year. It's time to stop fucking whinging. Surely, at his age, there are no more toys left in the pram, and yeah. if there are, who the fuck is refilling his pram for him? Because it's long past time he needed a bit of fucking tough love. Like honestly, about. I, if I walked into Tesco and I saw Wilfred Zaha, 30-year-old Wilfred Zaha, on his back, kicking and screaming with his ma, trying to bribe him with a Milky Way to shut him up, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd just shuffle <laughs> past like I do with every other spoiled brat. Maybe throw him a look if a new ma wasn't looking at me. But like the, this, is, this is his 13th season. He can't still be surprised when he gets saved down. Like he should have been told this on day one. You're really fast. You're an incredible dribbler. You're going to get taken out. And it won't always be unintentional. Like you're you're playing against Maddie Cash, Wilfred. How did you think today was going to go? <laughs> yeah, he actually, at least for Harry Kane, right? He, he's absolutely deadly, and um, and he is the England captain. It's it's amazing just how excited to get with Zaha as well. And they played alright today, so it's probably their own game. They they picked it out. But... <laughs> You know, but I, like, I, I was thinking this before he started playing really well you know, during the game as well. I was just like, all right, lads, calm down. Like, like the one he ran through and gave a shit three ball that went out for a goal kick. Like, just the uh, amazement that, that he was able to run from left to right and then kick the ball out of play. Like, like, relax yourselves. He will do something else. Don't worry. It's like we say about Harry Kane. He's a good player. He's going to do something good. So just wait for when he does something good and then you can talk about it. Don't be surprised that he fucking manages to skip past John McGinn's dangling leg. Like, big fucking... Hurrah there. Second player uh, being fined a week's wages is Leon Bailey for feign and injury. Um, this was like the game went on and I was glad to see it because Leon Bailey's down pretending to be injured, right? Uh, you know, because he, he couldn't beat a player and he fell on his hole instead. <laughs> so like he's down there holding his legs, trying to save face. And the, the only, there's one of two things now that's going to happen. Like the game has to stop. And we have to watch you getting treatment yet again for nothing happening. And I've just talked about Matt Cash wasting my time. I don't want to see the physio episode come back on again. Like, I've seen that too often. And <laughs> it's either that or we have to defend with 10 men, which is what we had to do. We, we conceded a big chance during that play as well. And we're doing it for no real reason, just because his ego is bruised and he can't just bounce back up and accept that he lost the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Leon Bailey only plays in the sixth minute of each half, apparently. That header and the shot that he had. And the, it's, it's hard to be massively critical of the forwards and Bailey, but I, I'll probably end up doing it anyway. But 
immediately after that one that hit the crossbar, I, I think summed up Bailey even more than his pretending to be injured because he tried to put his studs on the ball and fucking just missed the ball. Like that was that was so pathetic. It's hard to believe. I, I was gonna say if anyone has the full recording of the match, go back and watch it because it's it's ridiculous what he does there. But the, after he hits the crossbar, the ball comes out to Dina at the back post, and Bailey is there in the foreground of our shot with his hands turned around, fucking turning around. Are you a fucking <laughs> professional footballer or not? Like, well done, you had a good shot. Get on with a fucking sport that we're supposed to be playing here. <laughs> Uh, do you know when you um you know we we grow familiar with these players now and we know their their habits and, and what they're like and their little idiosyncrasies when you have a new player come in that environment like Bubakar Kamara was standing at the corner of the box as Leon Bailey was dancing over this ball on the right hand side and he, he's just standing there is he going to give it to me and Bailey just started like sprinting back and forward ended up having to go right back and Kamara was just standing looking at all this unfold and that's when you you realise he's he wonders he wonder now that we've sold him a pup coming to ask him. <laughs> the third person being fined a week's wages is Austin McPhee. Um, a set play to get Matt Cash a snapshot forty yards out. Like, is that is that his big plan this season? Like that that's what he's come with. You know, somebody runs over Douglas Louise this time knows not to run over because he is the last man. So in fairness to Douglas. Fairness to Douglas Louise, he stays put, but then he starts faking like as, as if somebody's tight on him from five yards. You know, like when you're down in the corner and you're, you're threatening the passer or threatening the cross, you're you're lifting your foot as if you're pretending to do something, and then he just rolls it backwards to Matt Cash, who has a player sprinting out to block him because Palace are up for his game, and Matt <laughs> Cash has to pull the worst shot I've seen from forty yards out. Yeah, you can teach an old doggy new tricks, it seems. And there was no issues with set pieces, of course, until doggy comes on. You would have fucking noticed that as well. We were whipping balls into the box like it was going out of fashion. And yeah, what like what was the point of that? It was four people. It just it felt like we were never going to pass that ball to Matty Cash, and everybody on the pitch knew that we were going to give the ball to Matty Cash, including the four Palace players that were coming running out of the box to block it down, meaning that Matty Cash has to try and hit it with his ankle to avoid them. Fucking pathetic. What do you think was worse, the, the Bailey down being injured or Mark Gwehi's dive when Ollie Watkins was shielding the ball from him? Where, where, where did these boys get off? Well, they, they get off from the VAR. and The, the commentator, they're saying like, ah, it's something and nothing really, nothing that the VAR are interested in anyway. Well, they fucking should be. Like, I can see why you might not want to have a look at that. You can't see everything in a replay. You can't judge the force. But you can judge that if someone gets slapped in the face, they haven't had their fucking legs swept from underneath them. Why does getting a finger in the nose mean that your knees bend backwards and your fucking whole body jerks back as if you've just been... as if someone's leaning behind you and someone else has pushed you in the shoulders? It was an absolutely insane dive from Gray, and he should have been punished for it. Yeah, I don't understand why why you wouldn't just go back. I thought like they did want to stamp out simulation, and this is a very would be a very useful tool for for VAR. Like that, like that would really quickly start to weed out a lot of it anyway. Um, yeah. and like they, they are, it's not like everything in VAR is broken down into black and white and numbers. Yeah. It's they are still using a lot of subjective analysis on us. Like when they think there's someone missed, they go have a look at it, have a look at it again. You can decide, like, if the referee sees that in real time and actually has the balls to call it like it is, he gives me a yellow card, like, you can decide 
by looking at it, go look and and just I, I know they say oh, it's only for red cards and that's a threshold, but why not for simulation? Tell me, go have another look at it. Because it appears for the last fucking thirty years they don't want to get rid of simulation because they've turned a blind eye to it at every possible opportunity until it became endemic across the whole fucking world. And the the, the I can understand as well that see they're, 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 they've actually gone out here as well because it's phrased as simulation. It doesn't matter if Watkins has hit him in the face; he has fucking tried to con the referee. Yeah, he, he, he obviously has. He's, he's made more of it. He's thrown his knees up into the air. That's a fucking dive. That's trying to trick the referee to get another player punished. Punish him. Yeah. Let's get into WhatsApp when just fucking nine minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is um that's a callback to an old quote. I mean, you mentioned this guy talking, like Gerard does love to talk. And Gerard said he wanted teams to feel us. I mean, the only thing that they felt so far in his tenure is the brush of hair on their feet as we're bowing before them. Like, <laughs> that was another game where we're completely bullied and once again, we just knelt before another team and given up. Yeah, yeah. We were fucking... We were absolutely pathetic. It was... You're right to say that we reacted so badly to, to Palace equalising. And the, the really irritating thing about that was... We had examples of how not to buckle under the pressure, of how not to just completely cower in the face of it. We had just scored two minutes earlier to go a goal up. How the fuck did Palace react to that? They upped their game. They upped their intensity. They realized they had fucked up and they tried to rectify it. What did we do? We just completely bottled it. It was pathetic. Yeah. What is the point of Matt Cash being able to run like that if he's just going to kick it aimlessly anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Remember the one he leaves Zaha on the ground, he's through, it's actually two on one. Like Leon Bailey's inside, all he has to do is slip it in. Like it's as simple as pass that like it's not like the defenders uh, splitting him really well. He's not at all. He's left the pass on for Bailey. It would come on to Bailey's lovely left foot, his cultured left foot. Um and Cash just tries to cross it anyway, hits it off the defenders, two on one, and he manages to find the one that's not in his team. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe he's just learned too much. Well, not learned too much. Well, yes, he has. He's picked up bad habits from Leon Bailey, maybe. This is what he loves to do whenever he's got a two-on-one situation as well. Just absolutely cock it up, either by taking too much out of it or by hitting it against the defender. Hitting it against the defender. Like, yeah, defenders can do well in that situation. But the, when it's two players against one, you take it out of the defender's hands. If a defender is manages to block that, the forwards have fucked up. I don't care how well it's been defended. That's a fucking issue with a forward, not sorting themselves out you've got two players against one on a fucking big area of a football pitch yeah is Gerard trying to stack the deck against Buendia <laughs> you'll only start him when he changes the shape and he plays Bailey and yeah like I think we've all seen Buendia and his effect but it's usually when he's coming on and in fairness he was playing a lot in number 10 today but it's just like, why did he not just play like, Ings has come off the back of his best game that I've seen him play in a long time and he drops him inexplicably and yeah Buendia just I don't know maybe Buendia's just not as good from the start but when I saw Bailey coming in with Buendia and remember Gerard's press conference where he got ratty at somebody talking about how good Buendia is he, he felt the need to ask him have you not seen how good Bailey is as well like, it's I don't know what it is. I feel like there is something there. And then I laughed when I saw that he changed the team a bit more than just putting in with you. Yeah, and you're right to say as well. It was probably the first time Danny Ings has played well for Aston Villa last week and to be dropped, it was 
was I thought was harsh because he didn't get what he thought he was getting from changing the system anyway. We might talk about that a bit later. Um, Buendia, Buendia wasn't good, but like, like I was saying about Bailey, it's 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 a bit hard to be overly harsh on the four players because we have absolutely no control of that game and the players had absolutely no instructions about how to get control or whenever we had the ball about what to do as well. And Buendia was probably... He's probably coming a bit too deep, coming looking for it. And when he got on it, then there wasn't as many options. And there's not going to be as many options because Bailey doesn't want to play. Bailey doesn't want to make those hard runs in through past the centre half. He wants to get on the ball out in space so that he's got the play in front of him then. He's not, Bailey's not going to run in behind unless it's a counter-attack. It's not, he's not going to make those difficult passes or those difficult runs for the passes that Buendia likes to play. So if you're going to end up dropping continue for, for Buendia then at least play the same system for that to get the best out of Buendia, who has looked brilliant whenever he's come into that system. Yeah, I just had this image in my head of Buendia playing this different sort of system. And then when he brings him off and brings on Coutinho, he would change the system back to the one that was working. <laughs> you know, like, look, there's actually loads of the stuff to talk about in terms of the, um, the decisions being made on the sideline and on the training ground. So let's park WhatsApp oranges. We'll do, we'll rattle through the Rossenthal award and then we'll get into the Glenn Whedon award. So uh, we'll see after this. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably been a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's, like if you. He's an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not in his game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it. Those other still have it. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean. They're, they're really well coached, they're really aggressive, they're really adventurous, but the players are shit. The, the, the key line is that we're, we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those brummy accents, though. Really go through. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you, don't they? Okay, the Ronnie Rosenthal Award. Like, Matt Cash has figured out how to cross. Like, you know, if you're Matt Cash, this is how you cross. You clip it off one of your own player's heels. Aim for one of your own players. Because how often does Matt Cash drill the ball into the opposition's ankles and it never comes back out? This time he drills one in and it hits off Bailey's heels and it makes its way around to look at Dean, sits up for his right foot and... Oh, that like that should be a goal in fairness. Like that, that was a bad effort from Luca. Yeah, and I know it's his bad foot, right? So I, I don't want to be I want to be fair to him, but you know, we're giving out fines there of a week's wages for people overhitting crosses. Not even that. Sometimes they just not even put enough band on it. Like, what's the punishment for this? Like build a fucking orphanage. Go work in it as well while you're at it, because you're not cut out to be a footballer if that's how you're striking the football. It's pathetic. <laughs> Uh, two from Palace uh, we don't need to talk about them but um, Jeffrey Schlupp gets a free header from a corner because of course he does uh, Austin McPhee too busy working up genius ideas at the other side of the pitch to worry about our defensive set pieces um, <laughs> he skims that one just wide it was a bad shot from Jordan Ayew really should score he gets all the space in the world he wants because Luca Dina must have been taking off more jewellery don't know where he went uh, <laughs> Emmy Martinez Emmy Martinez makes a great save that was the reactions he needed for the Zaha one and then Another another cash cross, low down. Emmy Buendia comes in, always thinking we're just connecting with the ball. Like, I don't understand why the balls come at him really quickly and um and with a lot of power, but all oh, he's just headed straight at the keeper. Yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant from Cash. The touch to take it out of his feet and catch the two palace players completely cold as well. And it's, and it's good movement from Bundia, but pick a side. Like how often do you see that pass, that run, and that fucking finish? Like, so intent on getting it on target that you just hit it straight at the keeper. And here's a fucking easy tip for anybody who wants to improve your finishing. Never have a general look at the goals because you're going to hit it down the middle. Look at where you want to hit the ball and then hit it there. <laughs> Will Hughes probably had the best chance from um from a chance that was missed. It was the one that was over the top. Obviously, he chests it down and just it couldn't have sat up any more perfectly for for anybody who's not used to goal scoring. It's just like that. Well, there it is. Just hit that ball. Like and he hits it really tamely. And Jordan Ayew gets a ball over the top as well. Martinez makes another save. Um, there's a few more sort of Palace half chances in there that from a Villa point of view Bailey off the crossbar you mentioned that that was really good from Ramsey gets it out to the right Bailey comes back on his left and ah, it was great, great camera angle it looked like it was going top corner didn't didn't drop and the other two nominations were when Luca Dean finally got on some ball in attack it across for Danny Ings far enough out but gets no power on the header and then Kanza does what Kanza does from five yards out just rid the danger yeah, I mean, it was the cons of one. Like it was, it was like he let the ball hit him rather than throw his neck muscles behind it as well. And we've said that a lot about Aston Villa players yeah. from crosses into the box. It's absolutely pathetic. Ings is one he shouldn't be shooting. They're be trying to think of something a bit clever. You're not going to score a header from that far out. Right? There weren't even really chances. I think the the Palace ones you mentioned there were much, much bigger chances. And if any of them went in, I wouldn't have been saying anything. I feel as bad about those. I would feel as bad about the scoreline being 3-1 as I feel about it being 5-6-1 or because it was a 5-6-1 or game to Palace. 
No, that's that's exactly it. Like I, I was um I think it was texting somebody giving out just because I need people to kick at when Villa are playing badly at half time and and they were sort of saying, you know, a draw away to Palace would be good. But the reason complaining is because we all know it's not going to be a draw. We're playing that badly. And, and even if it was a draw, so like, what's the fucking point? Like, to what end? We're not we're not doing anything to deserve a draw. The only reason we would have gotten the draw today is if Palace didn't score. <laughs> and, and that sounds stupid, but like that, like it wasn't, it wasn't anything we were doing. It was all just up to them whether or not they were going to win the match or not. Um, I think Will Hughes was the, was the biggest chance of all, though. Do you think? Do you agree? Ah, yeah, yeah, he's in loads of space, he's got loads of time. Look at where you want to hit the ball and then hit it there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it again. Uh, do you like Glenn Whelan taking a 90th minute penalty award? How can a team, right, who don't attack, how can they be done with a ball over the top every time? <laughs> it's not like we're being caught up. You remember, um, like the Palace scored a goal against Liverpool because Liverpool's such a high line, they're they're controlling the game, they're trying to break through a low block. Bang, Zaha's away. They're, they've got Nat Phillips and deputising, punished. One chance goal. Like, what? What are we doing? We're we're not on the ball. We're not in attack. And if we are, I don't know where where we are. I don't know what our shape is. I don't know what our identity is. We're wrapping a lot of questions into this one now, but. What are, how, how are we being done with a ball over the top every single time? Because we're not set up defensively at all. I mean, I guarantee that, that Steven Gerrard doesn't have any gravy with his Sunday roast. I mean, he's just happy enough with the meat and two veg. He might change the type of spot he's having every few weeks, just like he might switch to a 4 3 3, but there's no thought behind it. Like, sometimes he just wants a bit of mash, sometimes he fancies a roasty. I don't know why. The canteen staff don't know why. Steven Gerrard certainly doesn't fucking know why. Why did we switch the system today? Like, I thought initially, whenever I saw this, is what, like, was he worried about Palace's wide players? Because he didn't seem particularly perturbed by, the, by that during the Everton game or in this game either. Like, if I have. If 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 he's just thinking, if I have wider players here, I'll be able to sort that out. That'll do it. I'll set up a four three three system, and that's it. This is it's it's nineteen nineties management. He thinks he just has to have the formation right, and and it was it was it was so so poorly conceived how we were trying to block those players that it was so easy for Palace to get in. There was one as well. You mentioned it there, the IU one. Sometimes you get pinned, and that's all right. So Konza gets pinned by Zaha, but he's also fucked because there's no fullbacks on the pitch anymore. Yeah. Like, and whenever he gets pinned, guess what's coming next? Zaha's going to spin in behind you, and he's going to spin in behind you there as well. Especially if we have no fucking, we have no <laughs> fullbacks. Like, do you think Zaha's trying to pin you so he can get the ball in the feet, then poke it back? You think that's what Wilfred Zaha wants to do? Get ready to turn around, Konza. Like, were we set up defensively in a four-three-three because of Palace's threat from wide positions, or not? Where was Dinya for that? Where was Ramsey? Where was Buendia? That's three players who should be in front of Ayu. Why in the name of God is one of Palace's three attacking players in 15 yards of space? There's only three of them. Like Even if you're shit at football, even if your manager's an absolute moron, and we all know they are, and he is, you can all count to three, I assume. So count to three. One, Zaha. Two, Edward. Three, oh fuck, where's Ayu? <laughs> Yeah, that like that's it. I, I don't know where our players are is the, is the biggest concern. And like I've said this often, I wouldn't mind like if we had the the, the, the sounds extreme, right? If we had Steve Bruce. At least he, he wants everybody back. 
<laughs> at least it's a bit more clear. He wants everybody back behind the ball. And like that that's as reductive as it gets. He doesn't do much else outside of that which is really frustrating as well. But at least there's there's an idea there. Like everybody get behind the ball and be accounted for back there. Um with, with this, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. Like we got um got a question in from the Qatar Lions asking, like, you know, surely he knew Anderson was just looking to spray ball. Like which oh. is what he, exactly what he's done in the first two games to the deadly effect. Like, what was our plan coming down to that? Like it's one thing I'm looking at that match today thinking I hope Zaha hasn't joined this run because he's not going to get these out balls now any other game because it's just <laughs> obvious. Like he's hanging up top in the central forward position, making a dart out to the left wing, picking up ball, and then Palace go. And you know, it's, it's effective, it's working. It's not going to work anymore because everybody else are going to be watching these tapes that like, we don't obviously watch them. So with Anderson, why, why, why would we not just look? We're talking about being done with these balls over the top. Like, obviously you're being done over the top because boys are forward, so fucking push forward on the person who's playing the balls over the top do something either drop back or get on the ball they did nothing yeah and that, that was probably why it was a bit mad to, to drop Danny Ings as well because he'd be exactly the type of little rat you would expect to be able to just get on top of Anderson as he's ready to hit the ball yeah. I think you're probably being a bit unfair in pass I, I thought the interplay was brilliant as well like they're off the ball running the second runs the movement the vertical balls through to each of the players and then Eze coming sprinting through Mitchell coming sprinting through it was it, Palace are really well set up but the one thing that they shouldn't have been well set up for is the one thing that everybody in the fucking country knows that they want to do now which is isolate Anderson and then play the ball over the top so how the fuck were we getting caught out but if we were just beaten by Palace because they're also tactically astute going forward that would be okay but to be getting caught out by this is you're right it's absolute madness and it is it is as bad as letting Glenn Whelan hit a 90th minute penalty. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to talk about, and we're sort of touching on it here anyway, it's just it's just that identity. Like we're far enough into this now to to ask what what are Aston Villa? What is the plan? Um, it, you know, it, it seems like, like we haven't gone mad in the transfer market. And that would be one thing if, if you had then somebody like Patrick Vieira that was imprinting his style onto the team and coaching what he wants to coach into his players. But that's not happening with us. And like I'm not I'm not asking for much. I, I don't I don't demand much. Like I, I, I will accept I support Aston Villa. Like I'm well used to this. I'm, like I'm well used <laughs> I'm well used to bad results and, and inconsistency. Like believe me, it's fine. Like it's not fine. But like, you know, it's not someone that I'm taken aback by and that i that i i can't accept but i just want to enjoy myself like, it's, just, <laughs> it's my fucking birthday <laughs> I, just, I just want to see a plan some plan like i want to be able to to buzz off these players and, and good plays like i want to be here after a good victory talking about the simplest of moves and raving about them like do, do you have any idea how much I was willing to string you and me up because Bailey flicked on a header. <laughs> I, I was coming in here, we're like, yeah, let's 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 admit that we're idiots. Like, you know, Leon Bailey's obviously clad. Let's go. That's how like five minutes later I'm rolling back on a year of evidence because Leon <laughs> Bailey had flicked on a header. Like that's the type of person I am. I just want to enjoy myself. Just just show me something. And like if you look at the Ireland example now, like you know, the results aren't as good as some other managers at the moment. But like it's just, it, I can see something. I can see what they're trying to do. I can get invested in it. And I can come away even from bad games and being like, 
Jesus, that was fun. Like, you know, we played a bit of football there, didn't we? We took the game to them, or like even when it breaks down, we have something new to talk about. It's not just it's not just spinelessness or players disappearing or like all the same shit that we're talking about over and over. What is our identity? Yeah, and and I was I was watching that game after about I'd say after Palace equalized, I was watching that game. I was saying, let's see if I'm wrong about this. Let's let's see if I can actually see what we've been working on here. Like let's see if I can see how we're planning and getting past as a sloop and the Corey. I couldn't see it. <laughs> couldn't see a fucking thing. I, I, I actually haven't a clue what we were trying to do. We were so out of shape. We were so ragged. It was it was absolute anytime we tried to get through it, it was just nonsense. It was just a player deciding, no oh, fuck, I better I better carry this because I don't have a pass forward. Because Bailey's too far, Bundia's come too deep, Watkins is on his own again. Like how are you how is Ollie Watkins enjoying being an Aston Villa? But he must have no friends. He doesn't get a chance to chat to anybody. He's so fucking isolated. It's unbelievable. Like they're, they're, we have, a, and this is the biggest problem for Stephen Gerrard that he has to answer. And like he'll tell you, Connor, it's on him. What the fuck has he changed in Aston Villa? What has he changed? He's had a long time. He's had a lot of players given to him. What 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 are we doing differently? We, we, sacked, we sacked the manager. Why did we sack the manager? Because we weren't happy about how we were playing and we weren't happy about the results. Neither of those two things have changed. Yeah. And you can't you can't play Everton every week. You, you can't you, play Frank Lampard every week, exactly. Yeah. You're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. Like it's it's not I mean Frank Lampard only comes along twice a season and probably only once a season this year. So we got the three points, but like, yeah, now we're now we're already like looking into the fixture list that we have coming up. I think West Ham, Arsenal, Man City, or some shit like that. Like I was already looking at it, going, "Okay, three games, you're getting a point a game." But you know, start adding up things again. Like that's that's a bad way of being. And like you know, after these next three games, we're probably going to be looking at not point five points a game. Like, and this that's, and, and this was the problem. This is the problem last year as well. As it was starting to turn for Smith, we got to play Steve Bruce's Newcastle. We got to play Rafa Benitez's Everton. We got yeah. to play Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Man United. <laughs> that that was it. Like that's what kept that's what kept Smith in the job for an extra an extra couple of weeks, maybe an extra two months, because he got those nine points. And Stephen Gerrard's got his three points against Everton now. There's no more fucking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's knocking around. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh let's move on. I've got I've got um I've got a new category name. So I've just renamed the <laughs> <laughs> this is the sort of stuff I'm doing to try and enjoy myself now. I'm not getting it from the pitch. I should be coming in here too busy, too like too excited to talk about everything that was just just happening. But there I'm just like going, well, you know, the Ron Saunders quote of the week, you know, that was good, but why don't we change it? Why don't we change it to the John G- Gregory? If I had a gun, I would have shot him quote of the week. <laughs> Dwight York is shivering here in those uh those comments. Um and the winner has to has to go to Jurgen Klopp, who uh, took took time out of his Manchester United preview to to discuss Gabriel Igbonlahor. And the thing the thing about this was, I love that the journalists assumed that he didn't know Gabby's surname, which he did. He was just saying Gabby with a you know frown on his face, and then they they said Igbonlahor. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know, I know. Uh, basically, he was calling out Gabby for for calling out United for being shit, and he said. Um, I, I remember we beat them 6-0 in my first season here. He didn't look like a mentality monster then himself. Uh, but what it, the reason, the real reason I wanted to talk about Jurgen Klopp and this interview was the excitement I got at the prospect of one of the greatest football managers in the world succumbing 
to talk sport and saying mm-hmm. that he wants to ring in. They always felt the urge to ring in. And here we go. It's like, oh my God, they've done it. They've done it again. It's not just me. It's not just me listening to Trevor Sinclair getting wound up. It's <laughs> Jurgen Klopp driving home from Liverpool training, getting wound up by Gabriel Bonnehor and almost picking up the phone when he's not even talking about Liverpool. He's talking about his biggest rivals. I can only assume that he was probably a bit annoyed that yeah, Gabriel Bonhor is basically looking after the United team talk uh, for them. But uh, <laughs> he probably felt it was very, very, very important to say that United are actually better than what Gabby, Gabby thinks. Yeah. I, why is Jurgen Klopp listening to talk sport? Because it, <laughs> it's like James Joyce reading Mills and Boone and then getting angry about it. Like tapping his pen angrily against his fucking inkwell, trying to decide if it's worth getting angry over yet another young maiden getting swept away by an unkempt but ruggedly handsome lord. A bastard but a lovable rogue. Like, let it go, Jimmy. You're not playing the same game here. You're not operating at the same level. Gabriel Bonnehor down tools when he was playing for his hometown club in a relegation battle. He stopped playing football when he was 29 rather than help them get back to the Premier League. He's all collected his wages, of course. You don't need to listen to him when he's questioning all our professional footballers. And you could say to me, oh, like, you know, why should we listen to you? Like, we should, Of course you should. I try it every day of my life. I'm just shite. <laughs> Gabby Agbonlor's a cunt. <laughs> the, the, the best thing about this is obviously Man United have fallen so far that the Liverpool manager, the Liverpool manager, is springing to their defence. They're so helpless that their arch enemy is stepping in and saying, all right, that's enough. Yeah. And it's fucking Gabby Agbonna who he's protecting them from as well. <laughs> like anyone looking for an original idea for a teen drama script, here it is. It's the all-star quarterback being picked on by the fucking oboe player and he's being protected by the greaser. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sums it up pretty well. Um... Yeah, like it must have been a real sad moment for United fans when they hear Jurgen Klopp pointing to their defence and then saying Brentford are a really good team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, are they already four 0 domination good team? Um yeah, so and it's like the idea that like Bonhor is being unfair on United is like Bonhor talks a lot of shit. Um, but but here he was talking about United losing four 0 after already losing at home to Brighton. So um the one time that he could be in the ballpark of being accurate. This was it. He's talking about United players. Have at it. <laughs> Question we can't answer, but probably will. Um, Phil got in touch with us on Twitter to say, <laughs> I don't know if I'm, I'm ready to laugh anyway about anything, but he said, is it too early to say Diego Carlos will be like a new signing next season? <laughs> 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 That's one thing we've got to look forward to. And then... Brian, you're not going to like this one. Brian got in touch to say, does Liam still think Gerard is a world-class manager? <laughs> yeah, so you might as well ask me, do I still think we're going to finish between 7th and 10th this year? <laughs> I mean, that's This is the optimism. At least this time, I caveat it by saying, now it's over to the managers. Now that we've got the squad that's capable of finishing there, it's over to the manager. So I covered myself that way. But yeah, fucking hell, of course I got excited. Villa was an absolute doldrum situation. Gerard had won the league. I, had, I haven't been what... I've been found out. I don't watch the fucking SPL. <laughs> You've got me. Fucking arrest me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm saying you can't play Everton every week. You can't play St. <laughs> Mirren every week either. <laughs> yeah. Last one. Do Liverpool realise, Liverpool fans realise how much Jacob Ramsey would actually cost them? 
<laughs> seeing us doing the runs last absolutely nothing to it so Villa fans at ease um, but yeah you know Liverpool are inquiring about Jacob Ramsey inquire away they're not going to be interested in what Villa have to say like this is the this is the new face of Aston Villa I mean Christian Perslow I mean we could talk about him we could do another podcast on him um, especially over the last year but you know he his ego cannot deal with losing Jacob Ramsey after having to give up Jack Grealish um it's, it's too good, he's too young, he's signed a long-term contract. I mean, Liverpool would not be spending the type of money that Villa would want to even entertain. Um, so it's, it's just it's just a non-starter. Even by the time they could actually start to make progress, which would be a few years' time, it's like, well, where is Jude Bellingham? Just go get him. Focus on him. <laughs> <laughs> go back over there. Pick on that guy. Like It's a classic, you know, being bullied, just point to somebody else and try and bring him in on it as well. Um, yeah, if any kids are listening, like there's good advice. What do, you, what do you think? Well, the annoying thing here is that it seems people are starting to watch Villa games. Like, what happened? What happened to the fifty million for John McGinn? We'll take that. Come on, the fair, fair is fair. That was the first offer. We need to honour that one first. No backsies. But it, it's probably, it's probably important. Like you know, in the spirit of camaraderie and you know, not wanting Man City to win the league every year, it's probably important for Liverpool fans to understand is that they have Elliot and they have Carvalho and they have Jones and they have Oxlade-Chamberlain. They're all way better than JJ. I, I'd even say Oxlade-Chamberlain still has a higher ceiling than Ramsey as well. Like it's, it's only fair to tell. Like we, we should tell them, really, shouldn't we? Yeah, like, look, they probably should know that Ramsey's attitude stinks. Like he, he has no ambition. He's no appetite. He thinks he's made it. Like We actually call him the Brummy Deli Alley. The, the low bar from Great Bar, you know, he's 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 not there. Like he's just not right in the head. I mean, you talk about his actual footballing ability. He can't see the game quickly enough. He has no <laughs> vision. He let he let a he let a he let a ball on a string get away from him. Like he can't strike the ball. He has all the physical attributes of Brazilian Ronaldo today. Like that's it, really. Like if, if he took Deli Ali's love of Fortnite and put it into a forty-five-year-old Ronaldo Luis Nazario. That's kind of what we're talking about with Jacob Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, and they've already tried Jay Spearing. They don't need another one knocking around. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, and like actually, you know, I bite on these things as well. Like, this is why uh, talk sports so effective for people like me. But, um, <laughs> so, like, and they'll probably be talking about that today. I've just missed it so far. But uh, somebody, you know, got into it with somebody saying like, "But we'll give you Curtis Jones and this amount of money." And I said, like, "Wait, why would we want Curtis Jones? We have Jacob Ramsey." And and then they were saying, well, Curtis Jones has more goals and assists. And I said, well, keep him. You keep him. <laughs> Stop trying to get me to take your player by telling me that your player is better than my player. You keep your player. I'll keep mine. We're all happy. <sighs> anyway, good to laugh. Um, we'll be back on Thursday. Um, I think there's a League Cup game in between. We might, might mention that. I don't know. See Morgan Sanson will get a run out anyway. We can, uh, we can all marvel over that. <laughs> we'll be back for Thursday's podcast we do have a Thursday podcast if you haven't realised by now it's a general football one and um, yeah subscribe to any channel that you're on or that you use and you'll get you'll get us in your feed whenever we drop one so thanks a million for listening sorry we keep going through this shit but here we are we're all doing it together so I appreciate the support um, and yeah best of luck we'll see you in Thursday all the best that wind is calling my name and I-